Anyway, as Richard uh, so uh, kindly um, re-mentioned, uh, I am uh, thinking quite a lot about love and marriage and relationships. And um, yeah, it's quite scary, isn't it, at times? <laughs> it's so funny. I, I said exactly the same thing and somebody shouted exactly the same thing this morning. So... Um, yeah, just while your wife's out in the country at the moment, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but in all relationships, and uh, there is that time, and it doesn't matter whether it's between a partner, whether it's between child and parent or siblings, where we can take one another for granted, I know you'd never do that with anybody that's probably next to you or, or around you. But so often we take one another for granted. And it's not so much the things that we, we expect people to do, but what I'm looking at, part of what we're going to look at today is where you assume that you think the, what the other person is going to say or going to do or what's good for the other person, even when you haven't actually asked them. And um, this comes out in, in, a, in a number of ways, but um, what, we're looking at, what we're going to look at today is where King David, is, is, he was known as a friend of God, but he, he gets it, um, not spectacularly wrong, but he, he really does assume that he knows what's best for God, and God replies uh, very clearly. And it could be, it's what we, we all need to learn in whatever relationship with it we're in, but especially with God, not to take the other person for granted and to not assume that we know about, that we need to continue to seek, to, to communicate, to, to be in communication with them, to, to understand what they're wanting and to hear from them. And what we're going to look at, we're continuing in this series of unbreakable um, and God's unbreakable promises for each one of us and that's we see that most of all in covenant and Richard talked uh, has spoken a number of times the covenant is 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 a commit is not just straight commitment because we can be committed to something and we get nothing back we can be committed to a football team say but we we know you know they know nothing about us we're not in relationship with them but they we're committed, and it's not a contract. It's not only if then, you know, if you do this, I'll do that. And actually, all all relationships have a bit of both of those. But what covenant is about is is that that picture of what marriage is really about is that it's loving always, but understanding that there are there are boundaries, there is there is uh, guidelines, and the, a need to be responding in love to one another's love. And that's what God's relationship with us is, that he loves us and that we respond to him. So if you could turn in your Bibles, uh, in the Pew Bibles, to 310, and we're looking at the next sort of major covenant that we see in the Bible, which is with King David. Between God and King David. So I'm going to start from verse 1. 
after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in the house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place where the tent is my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers, whom I was commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you have gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own, and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people shall not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies." The Lord declared to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom? He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. King David is probably one of the most, next to, next to Jesus, is probably one of the most important figures in the Bible. I mean, you could go for Abraham, Elijah maybe, John the Baptist. But David, to understand Jesus and who, the, the, the way that Jesus lived his life and his ministry, we need to understand and know about David. Because if you, if you look at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, the, sort of Matthew 1, verse 1, the very beginning of the New Testament, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And what I want to look at is, is through this passage, how David related to God and to, to, to look at how, how God corrected David's Outlook, but also to, to see the similarities with the promises that we have in Jesus. Because when, when, when we're reading through this passage, there, there are hints of God's promise to us through Jesus, all the way through. And there's so much to talk about that. There's so many of the, those relationships that I, I couldn't 
tell, tell you all, so I'm going to try and give you a, a just short heads up of what those, those are. But it is so important to remember um, David and th- this promise of God to David and see it, how it works and is filled out um, through Jesus. And God's words to, to David through the prophet Nathan um, come within three enduring promises about this covenant relationship with David. And that's of presence, of protection, and permanence. Presence, protection, and permanence. But before we go any further, just I love that. Just a little word about Nathan. Like I, I think it's great because, and he definitely deserves credit here as well because you know he's it's the first time he's mentioned in in the in the narrative, and um, David. You know, who's going to be, who's the king, he's the one, who's the benefactor um, of, of this faith that Nathan is, is a prophet and a priest in. And imagine if, you know, if, if somebody came up to Richard and said, um, yes, I'm going to give you five million pounds just to develop the whole of the site and um, so to make All Souls the, 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 the best church ever. You can imagine Richard saying to the same as, um, same, same, same as the, the prophet, whatever you've got in mind, yeah, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. And you can see Nathan getting quite excited about this, the fact that there's going to be a new temple. But wonderfully, he, when he goes to bed at night, he spends time listening to God, and this is what God says. And God uses him and speaks through him to then speak to David. So these these promises that come through. First is God's presence, starting at verse 5. Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with the tent of my dwelling, wherever I have moved with all the Israelites. Wherever I have moved. I think it's incredible that God dwells with his people. And that's what God is so keen on and what, what we see as the, the, the people of God go through um, 40 years in the wilderness and then they come to the promised land. But God is not in a, in a stone temple. He's in a tent. He's with his people. He's encamped with his people. And God says to David, don't try and predict what you think I, I should want. He says later on, it's for me. I will decide, God says. David predict, thought he knew what God would want. And actually... Any time there was a new king made, quite often in, in that region in, in, in those times, the king would make a temple, would build a temple to some god or another. And that would be the god that, that declared how great this king was. And what God is saying is saying, don't try and be, I am God, you are only the king. I am the one who's in control. Don't try and second guess 
what I'm going to do because I'm the one, as he says later on, I'm the one that brought you out of the fields. He said, I'm the one. Don't try and predict who I am. And so he said, and I think God is saying, no, I'm, until, until all the battles, there's a couple more battles that they have to fight after this. And it's almost as if God's saying, no, not until all these battles have been dealt with will I dwell in a temple where, until it's safe, until my people are secure and at rest. He says, it's almost this image that God is saying, no, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay in a sort of temporary place in the way that my people are. I want to be, I'm with them. And we, you probably know that at the beginning of John's gospel, the words are that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, which actually when it's translated means tabernacled, to be in a tent with us. Jesus was word made flesh and he tabernacled amongst us, just like God was in the, prom- in, in, in the desert in a tent. And it's almost God saying, I am with you. I'm going to continue to be with you. I don't need a temple. It's going to happen. But when, when I decide it's going to happen, don't try and second guess me. Don't take me for granted, David. But wonderfully, he doesn't, doesn't pull his presence away. He, he says, but I am with you. I've been with you, verse 9. Wherever you have gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. So the presence, he then goes on to this protection, that he brings his protection. I've cut off all your enemies. I'll provide a place. Wicked people shall not oppress them anymore. I'll give you rest from all your enemies. He reminds David again that he chose David not the other way around. That he's the one that is, has, has given him victory in battle. He's the one that, that, that called him, and so God is the one that is, has been with David and protected him all through his persecution from Saul, all through his battles. God is the one who protected him. It's not out of David's own strength. And to me, this rings true of thinking of our relationship with Jesus, that Jesus also says that he will bring, give us protection. He said, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Think of the verses from the Psalms, in the shadow of your wings I find protection. That, that in God, God is saying that in him there will be protection. We all know that there are times where we don't feel protected. But we need to trust God that he is here with us, that he's here by his presence, and that he is protecting us. He's with us. He gives us security. He gives us identity. That protection of of knowing who we are, that we're loved, that is protection. So God's words to David are of his presence, his protection, and then his permanence. 
verse 11, 12. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. And the word established keeps on coming up in this, in this next few, few sentences. I will establish his kingdom. I will establish the throne of the kingdom forever. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And this promise, this covenant with David that his line is going to continue forever. And that must have been wonderful for David when he really did think he was going to be the one to build God a temple. And God said, no, it's not you, but through you, it will happen. And I think, I'm sure David assumed that it was just going to be that his, his children's children were going to be the ones who were going to rule Israel forever. That was how he saw what God, God's words. But we now know, and we now see, that, that God's vision for his permanence and a permanent relationship with his people was so much greater and that it was fulfilled through Jesus, that Jesus was the one with whom became this temple, became the temple on earth that tabernacled amongst us. It's Jesus' kingdom, Jesus, because Jesus said, you want a temple? It will be lowered down and in three days it will rise again. Jesus is the temple that really matters. Jesus is the temple that is here forever. In Jesus, God makes this promise come ultimately true, that he is with us forever, that he's established his relationship with us, and he is with us forever. So God promises his presence, his protection, and promises his permanence with us. Very quickly, I'm going to read how David then responds to God. And if we have been promised God's presence and protection and permanence, then let's see how David responded. And um, just for a couple of minutes to see if that can help us with how we might respond to God. So continuing on, verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you've brought me thus far? As if this were not enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? What more can David say to you? Or you know your servant, O sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you've done this great thing and made known to your servant. I think that speaks to me of humility. As David, he's... He's assumed that he knows what God's want and he's heard these words of God and he goes, okay, I accept. I'm, I'm a man, but you are God. And he is blown away. He's recognized, he says, I'm, 
he's, he's honest with God going, I, I realize I got it wrong and I realize that this is special. The way that you deal with me and with your people is exceptional. I need to be honest with you. He then goes on to honor God and to, to really be thankful and respectful of God, to recognize all that God has done. How great you are. This is verse 22. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There's none like you, and there's no God but you, as we've heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself, and make a name for himself, and perform a great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people as your very own forever, and you, O Lord, have become their gods. It's just... I love that. He just goes, thank you. <laughs> He's just so thankful and makes sure that he, he remembers what God has done. He hears what God has done. But then what I love is that he goes in and he, he, he holds on to God's promises. He's bold about asking God to stick to his promises. Because verse 25. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised so that your name will be great forever. Then men will say, the Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. And I think the one sort of message that came through to me when I was looking at this is remembering that we need to ask God. We need to hold God to his promises that he's made to us. That if he has promised to give us his presence, his protection, and his permanence in our lives, then we need to hold him to that promise. And we don't do that because we think we can change him or, to, or, or he needs reminding. But when, when we remember, when we ask, it's like God needs, for our sake, it helps. When we're asking for something, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. We need to keep on asking God for all that he wants to give us. And that, it's not to help God, but it's to help us so that we remember all that he's promised us and all that he's given us. And then finally, he's just accepting of who God is. Verse 27. O Lord Almighty God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to offer you this prayer. O sovereign Lord, you are God. Your words are trustworthy and you've promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, O sovereign Lord, have spoken. And with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. He again recognizes that God, you're God. I'm, I'm human. I may be a king, but I'm human. And I think for all of us, remembering who God is, that so we don't take God for granted, is to remember who he is and to keep on reading, to keep on holding him to his promises, to remember what he is and who he is, to keep on reading, to keep on praying, spending that time. If Nathan or David hadn't spent time, they wouldn't have had those moments. And that's a challenge to me. I, I, I so easily lose track of time or will surf the internet rather than just stopping to pray or even just stopping to have some space that God might speak to me. And I've been challenged again hearing this, recognizing that when would God say, come in and say that to me? I need to make that time for him.
so that I can be honest with him, to be honoring to him, to be bold in, in claiming those promises and accepting. So God's purposes for us are often deeper and more powerful than we can ever imagine. God's promises to David were worked out through Jesus in a way that David couldn't even comprehend. And his promises to each one of us, no matter what we're going through, wherever we are, are so much greater than we can even ask or imagine. And so I pray that for each one of us, that as we seek to to be in relationship with God, that we would remember again that he's always with us, that he wants to protect us and to look after us, and that he's always with us. And he wants to be, us to be with him forever. Let's pray.